0: in it. If you're visiting with us this morning, we'd like to welcome you. If you're watching in for the first time this morning on our live stream, we'd also want to welcome you and ask you to take time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you in your chairs there. If you're putting off the places to come around, so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. And if you're watching live and you're visiting us for the first time, I want to reach out to us. You can get us at our local numbers anytime, Monday through Thursday. With that being said, church, I do have several announcements I'd like to share with you. Uh, First things first is our men's Bible study coming up on Saturday. It's uh, about 7 o'clock in the morning. Excuse me, our our prayer breakfast about 7 a.m. Come and be a part of that. I want to remind everyone that we have men's Bible study on January the 14th at 6.30. And our women's Bible study will be starting up with a new service on a new study topic out of Daniel. And that's going to have two different times, 9.30 in the morning and 6.30 in the evening. Uh, and then, of course, our, we're very proud to welcome the Gideon's Company in January 24th, and we'll be hosting the Southern Baptist of Central Texas Convention on January 30th, that's Saturday, at 6 p.m. I uh, also want to remind our current ministry team that we are still scheduled to meet today at 4.30, provided the weather holds. And, of course, uh, our admin team will be meeting next Saturday at 10.30 following the prayer breakfast. With that being said, church... I want to remind everyone out the front in the foyer, we do have some gift baskets, which we are raffling. Uh, and those tickets are $2 each or 3 for $5. And they're in the foyer, so take a look at them. Some of them are very neat baskets. The proceeds for these tickets will be going towards the piano replacement. To purchase raffle tickets, please contact Sister Esther Bailey, or you can always get in touch with the church office, and we'll sell you those tickets. All right. Unless there's any other announcements. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we're still... Gathering a little more information on that, so I'll get right back to you on that. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. And as we have come together in your name, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to worship you, worship you in truth and spirit. I pray, Lord, that we lay down any cares, any concerns, Lord, any fears that would keep us from worshiping. You. And I pray, Lord, you'd speak to us, open our hearts to hear from you. And if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as the Lord and Savior that the would be that day to give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you all. Good morning.
1: Good well, morning.
0: today, I don't really have a theme
1: for any, any of the songs. It's just uh, a montage of stuff that the little me. So let's all stand up, and we're going to start off singing, How Great is Our God. Investors, please come
0: forward. Hmm. Hey, Amen. Brother Joe, would you take us a little bit Thank you.
1: Thank you, Brother Glenn. Y'all please stand again. We'll continue our worship service with He Hideth My Soul. Hello. We're special today. I thought we'd just do something congregational because this song, a lot of times we just sing the chorus to it, but we're not singing the whole song. So if you would please sing with me, How Great Thou Art.
0: Well, good morning. <laughs> yeah, you turn to please to the Book of Genesis. Let me tell you, every time I come to Robertson Avenue, I get a blessing. Every time I'm here, I get a blessing. And what a wonderful job in worship this morning! Great song selection, and I just can't thank God enough for providing all the talent for Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Amen. What a beautiful time of worship that was. So if you have your Bibles with you. Turn to please to Genesis chapter one. We're going to read a couple of verses. And uh, this message is directed toward people who are married and people who want to be married and people who are sorry they ever got married. Amen?
1: <laughs>
0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. And I just pray you'd open our hearts to hear from you, Lord. Open our minds, Lord, to feel you and to know that you're with us. And I just pray you speak to us. Take charge of the time, Lord, if there be anybody that needs to come to know you personal, Lord and Savior, would you let this morning be the morning? And I pray, Father God, if there be anyone that needs to get their heart right, their walk right with you, would you let this morning be the morning? If there be any, Father God, that should call them to be a part of Robert Nazareth, would you let this morning be the morning they come to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Start with me in verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And let's just stop right there for a second. I want to focus in on what happened there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God did it, not evolution, not millions of years. No, God did it. The Bible tells us it's a book of beginnings here, and God tells us God. Uh, the Bible tells us God did it. No one else did it. It wasn't an act of or will of some human being. It wasn't an act or will of somebody else. No, it was God. And in the beginning, God did it. God created the heavens and the earth. Now skip with me to verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said it. And there was light. Now think about that for a second. God spoke something and it came into existence. I don't know about you, but I've been in some churches where they think you have the power to speak things into existence. Have you ever been there before and said, I don't want to speak that into existence? Well, you don't have that power. You know why you don't have that power? Because you're not God. Amen? Only God can do that. In fact, I tried a couple of times in my 27 years of ministry. I said, Lord, let there be a double bacon cheeseburger. He never appeared. I tried. It doesn't work. Let me tell you a little spiritual truth this morning. And this may knock your socks off, but God is not a genie. You don't rub the lamp and get free wishes. Amen? Though a lot of people think that way. They think that's how Christianity should be. But I need you to understand this morning as we look. In our Bible, that God is laying out a couple of facts. And here's fact number one, is that nobody brought about creation but God. Amen? It didn't evolve. It didn't better itself over here. God made it perfect from day one. God did it. And He did it by speaking it into existence. Now skip with me down to verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, we're going to be looking at a few things here. Looking at a few things in Hebrew this morning as we bring about our message on man and woman. You can see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That Hebrew word for create is Barak. Say it with me. Barak. That's good. You're learning a little Hebrew this morning. Barah. To create. To make. To use your fingers to form, to fashion, to make it when there was nothing. You've got to understand that that word barah means to reach into nothing, grab a hold of nothing, and make something. Amen? Second word we're coming across where God said, let this bring forth life. Well, let that bring forth life. The word there is Amar. And it means to speak. And God said. God spoke it into existence. God's words made it come. God said it and therefore it happened. That Hebrew word is Amar. Say that one with me. Amar. To speak it into existence. God is so powerful, He was able to speak. Let there be light. And there was. Think about that for a second. Think about how powerful that is speak something into existence. Not only to be able to create and make something from nothing, but just to be able to speak it into existence. That is something only God can do. And finally, we have a word called asav, or asah. depending on how you pronounce it in Hebrew this morning. And it means to make or the made. That's the past tense form there. Asah means made. And God made man. Is own image. That literally means to reach into something and form it. As you know, when we get into Genesis chapter 2, God reaches into the dust of the ground and makes man kind. What's all this got to do with marriage? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We need to understand that God created, God spoke into existence, God made, and to show us as we move along in our journey this morning that God is intimately involved in creation. Not evolution. I'm going to show you something neat, something you need to hold on to, something that's really, really cool. Uh, please remember, as we look back in Genesis chapter one and verse one, we looked at that Hebrew word bara to create, but we didn't look at the Hebrew word for God there. If we go back and look at that, we'll find that that Hebrew word is Elohim. Elohim. It's a neat, neat, neat word. It's kind of generic for God. Later on in the Hebrews' life, they shortened it to El. You might have heard it as an El Shaddai or El Elyon or something of that nature. Uh, this is Elohim, and it means God. Now, God is intimately involved in the act of creation. He's intimately involved in speaking it. And church, he's intimately involved in making mankind. Now, jump ahead to Genesis 2, verse 4, and let's take a look at the history of the heavens and the earth. Verse 4 here of chapter 2. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God... Now notice, how of a sudden, God's name changed. It's no longer just God. It's now the Lord God. It changed because this is the personal name of God. This is no longer that generic Elohim. This is Yahweh Elohim, which means the Lord God. how of a sudden, God becomes personal. Not far off! speaking and directing and saying let this happen and bring forth life like a conductor would be for his orchestra. No, no. He's right in the middle of the orchestra right now playing with them. And by the way, this is a large symphony of music that's going about in God's creation. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, we see that God is intimately involved. It's changed from Elohim to Yahweh Elohim showing us that God is right involved with him. Sorry about that. Look with me, please, in Genesis 2-7 as we get started. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, reached down into the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. How personal Is that God said, Let us make man in our own image. And as we talked about last Wednesday night, what it meant to have a God who created trees from the earth, who created fish in the water. If you take fish out of the water, they die. If you take the trees out of the earth, they die. And let me tell you something God says, Let's make man in our image. If you take man out of God, he dies. Same things there. But I need you to understand the picture that we have of this personal God, Yahweh Elohim, reaching down into the dust of the ground and forming man. And on top of that, breathing the breath of life into His mouth. I have some paramedics and some EMTs in our congregation. And so I will imagine what's going through your mind this morning is some kind of CPR. Some kind of intimate touch for so the kiss of God brought them brought man, life. And as neat and intricate a thought as that is, I want to take you to the point of God actually forming mankind. And He did it with His own hands. He got dirt on His hands. And you might be sitting there this morning in the pews or you might be watching on our live stream and you're saying, I don't know about God. He can't reach out to me. He doesn't understand the things I'm going through. You might be sitting there in your heart saying, God can never reach me. God can never forgive me. God can never understand me. I want you to know that our God was willing to come down onto the earth and form man with His own hands. Think about this, second. Our God had muddy hands. He reached into that dirt, he formed it. Never watched a child play outside. I don't know about y'all, but my kids did all the time, and I had to wash their hands every time they went outside because they played in the mud and they made things, you know, like mud pies and things to throw at their brothers. Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't have sons, obviously. My sons did. And they threw things, and they threw things at me, and it was a blast, and I had a good time with it, and I had to wash them off. And I think of our Father in heaven reaching down into the dust of the ground with his own fingertips, forming mankind. Why? Because he knows what it's like to be in the dirt of life, he knows what you're going through, he knows you're down in the trenches, he knows that you feel like you're so unclean. But I want you to know that he formed you. Knows what you're going through. Why? Because He's intimately involved. Amen? Amen. Our God has muddy hands. This morning. You might be thinking in your marriage, God doesn't understand. Oh yes, He does. In fact, if you'll read through the rest of the story, God says after creating mankind and putting Him in the garden, it's good. It's good. So jump back with me a few verses to Genesis one thirty-one. And let's read that. Then God saw everything. Back to Elohim here. Then God saw everything that He had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. How many of you know that in Israel today, they don't have days of the week like we have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They have day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and Shabbat. And the seventh day is Shabbat. Sabbath day. God looked over all that He had done and said it's very, very good. Then He takes the man and He puts him in a garden. Well, we'll jump back to Genesis chapter 2 and read with me in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim says it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. For the first time, after everything was good, when God takes Adam and He puts him in the Garden of Eden and He gives him a job and He gives him a purpose and He gives him a reason to keep on keeping on, God looks down at Adam and He says, It's not good for you to be alone. I've been watching you interact with all of creation. I've been watching how you interface with them, how you speak to them, how you talk to them, how you have dominion over them. And I know it's not good for you to be alone. The only you know that it's not human nature for us to be alone. You have to deny that to make that happen. You have to tell yourself, I'd rather be alone. You know, the only one you're fooling is you, isn't it? I'd rather be alone. But God says it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I know we're getting started, and some of you are a little bit confused uh, about how this is going to build into our marriage. But hang on there. In fact, buckle your seatbelts, because we're going to get moving here in just a second. After making the woman, then God says it's good. After he makes woman, then he says it's good. Understand what God is saying there. It's not good for man to be alone. But when he makes woman, it is good. Do you understand, women, what Father God is saying there? That something was missing, and when I made you, now it's good. And some of you women are thinking that you're messing up people's lives, and that you're messing up everywhere you go. I need you to understand that you are the crowning achievement of creation. Yes, you are. And you should be right now reaching out to your Father in Heaven saying, thank you for making me the pinnacle of creation. Thank you for knowing that I was what was missing from Adam's life. Now think about that for a second. I get excited when you think about that. I get fired up. In fact, let's look at the creation of woman, shall we? So, look at me in Genesis 2 and verse 20. And we'll look at what God did first. As He says, Adam needs a helpmate. And if you're married this morning, look over at your helpmate. I'm going to look down to hope at my helpmate right there. Genesis 2 and verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. What that means is that Adam had to choose in the animals that there was something he wanted to have as a helper. Aren't you grateful, ladies, that Adam did not choose an alligator? Somebody say amen. Aren't you grateful this morning that Adam did not choose an elephant or a hippopotamus or a donkey? I am so grateful that my Betsy is not an alligator. Thank God for that. Adam had the ability to choose. And he looked at each and every one and he said, That's not right. Could you imagine what it was? As he sat down with an alligator, he said, The tail is too big. Or he sat down with an elephant, he said, The trunk is too big. Or he sat down with a hippopotamus, he said, Too much personality. The donkey, you're way too stubborn. Way too stubborn. Or perhaps the owl, you're too quiet. Or the mouse, you scurry and hide too much. Or a spider. Whoa, whoa. What about a fish? When I was young and I would teach my kids to go fishing, we would kiss the fish before we put it back in the water. We practiced catch and release. And I often got tickled saying, thank you, God, and my Betsy is not a fish. goes goes, yuck. You know? <laughs> Verse 20 says, Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now I want to give you a little more Hebrew this morning. Adam's name in Hebrew is Adam. Now, this is not in the PowerPoint, so I'm going to bring this out of my head. It's Adam. Adam. Those of you to speak a little bit of Hebrew and know a little bit about Hebrew, know that that's a compound word. It's been two words added together. In fact, you have one, Eretz, meaning the land or earth. That's where we get our word earth from. Eretz, that's Hebrew uh, for the earth or the land. And you have the Hebrew word Dom, which is Blood. Blood. That's why when you read through the New Testament and they say, and so his, the field of blood was given to Judas to be buried at, and they call it the field of Dhamma. Akodama, they call it the field of blood. So we have a combination of two Hebrew words that means blood of the earth. Or, more precisely, earth creature. Adam. He said, well, what was Eve's name in Hebrew? Thought, well, it certainly wasn't Eve, I promise you that. In fact, it doesn't sound anything like Eve. How do we get Eve? Because Eve is what happened before. You know, we have Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve that we're just coming off of. And it's what conceives the next day. And so he named Eve the mother of the living Eve. Her name in Hebrew is Chava. Chava. Isn't that beautiful? Chava. And it does mean mother of the living. But back to our story here. Back to what's happening in Genesis God looked down and He said to Adam, It's not good for you to be alone. And God brought all the animals to Adam. And Adam could not find a suitable helpmate. Why? Because not a one of those animals, not one could reason, not a one of them could figure, not a one of them could love or support or be comparable to Adam. Not a one could. I love dogs, but dogs cannot replace a human being. I love animals. but Not a one can replace the loving, warm touch of my wife. And thank God, Adam was smart enough to know that. Hallelujah, right? Look with me in Genesis 2, verse 21 and 22. And so, not one helper was found. Not one thing. Could you imagine those cows and donkeys and sheep that came by? And Adam said, I'm sorry. It just does nothing for me. The bleeding at night is going to keep me up. God, No. No. So verse twenty one the Bible says And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its the place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from a man, he made it to a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now we have a different Hebrew word for created. We saw three of them quickly. We saw Bala, we saw Sa, we saw Mar. Now we got a different word. About to come out here in just a second. A different word all together. But I need you to understand that God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And when Adam was asleep, God opened up his side. And So we had the first surgery, if you will, of all time. And God removed a rib from Adam. And with it, he built, and that's the Hebrew word there, built a woman. Take a look at what we got here. So we have this picture of God who had muddy hands now has bloody hands. And He reaches into her side, implying how personal and how involved God is. Not only will He get down in the trenches where the mud and the dirt is, He will get down where the meat meets the metal, where it gets bloody. Let me tell you, our God promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter how bloody it may get, no matter how dirty it may get. I'm with you to the end. Somebody say amen this morning. Our God is personal, and He's involved. He has muddy, and He has bloody hands, and He's right there with us. God gets down to where we are in life. He's not afraid. Get his hands dirty. That's why it's not bad to bring salvation to a drug addict. Father God is not afraid of the demons and devils in his life. That's why it's not bad to bring salvation to an alcoholic. Father God is not afraid to get involved in an alcoholic's life. Somebody say amen. He wasn't afraid to get involved in my life. And let me tell you, when he got involved in my life, he was muddy and bloody. Thank you, Jesus. You know what else happens? It's the blood that He sheds that cleanses us. It's the blood He gives willingly that makes us whole. For by His stripes, we are healed. God gets down to where we are in life. He's not afraid to get His hands dirty. He's not afraid to reach out and touch you. He's not afraid to beat you where you are in life right now. And you might be saying, Pastor, Preacher, I'm in the middle of my 13th divorce. I'm in the middle of messed up life. I've messed up my children. I've messed up everything. God can't redeem me. Let me tell you something. Our God's a miracle working God. He's so miraculous. He made a suitable helpmate for Adam. In fact, he took a rib out of him and built a helpmate. That fact, the word ba-na. bana. Sounds like banana, doesn't it? That's because I'm a Baptist preacher. I throw food in there somewhere. Bana. Bana. To build. But more than that, to fashion. Almost like whittling. To make something from something that already exists. To bana. To build it. You can see you hear the Hebrew word down there. Bana. On your screen. Bana. To build it. If some of you ladies look in the mirror every morning and you say, nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. I don't like what I see. I want you to know God built you just the way you are. You're a built. Woman of God and He's gonna meet you where the mud is in your life, meet you where the blood is in your life. What you're missing though is an Adam. Somebody say Amen. The guys did not say Amen this morning. So God took a rib and he built Eve. And he said it's not good for man to be alone if we remember. God noticed something was missing. It's not good for man to be alone. What was missing? Well, we know what it was. It was a helpmate. What's missing? A helpmate. And God brought to Adam anything he wanted to choose. And nothing was good enough. But God took from Adam a rib. So what's now missing from Adam? A rib. Do you know, church, what a rib does? Do you know what a rib does? Let me tell you quickly what a rib does in somebody's life. More than just where your cramps are, A rib has some purposes. And, of course, the number one purpose is to protect what's inside of the rib cage. What's inside of your rib cage? Ladies, if you are wondering where you're going wrong with your husband, this message is for you this morning. It's time for you to start being a rib. It's time to understand where you came from. It's time to understand the job Father God has given you. You're a helpmate, but you came from a rib. It's time to be rib-like. And I'm not talking about a McRib from McDonald's. It's time for you to start being a rib. Ribs protect. They protect lungs. They protect, guess what else is in there? The heart and a good rib protects the heart of her husband. Somebody say amen this morning. It's time for ladies, women of God to stand up and start protecting the heart of their husband. It's high time for that. That's been missing in the church for years. And all the ladies are quiet this morning. A rib. Ribs protect the lungs, they protect the heart, they protect the vital organs more than that, though. They also give structure. Could you imagine what it would look like not to have a rib cage? If you just had a backbone but not a rib cage, what would happen to the rest of your flesh? Ladies are supposed to give structure, guys. Don't despise that. They're supposed to bring structure to your life. Some of us resent that, don't we? She's supposed to bring structure. Let her do her job and bring structure to your life and to your family. I was a huge boxing fan for years. And I used to love to watch Mike Tyson, right? Y'all know him, right? He was one of the greatest boxers, I think, the world has ever known. And I loved watching him. He was exciting. Oh, and he was powerful. And I loved, I didn't like his attitude, but I loved watching him compete in the ring. And I loved how Mike Tyson made a living He did it on a simple combination. And that simple combination was a short right hook to the ribs, followed by a large left hook to the chin. He understood something scientifically. What he understood was that if you hit the ribs, the hands will fall. Since it is told throughout boxing, keep your hands up and protect yourself at all times. He understood that the jab or the short right to the ribs would cause you to drop your hands, making a knockout punch available. Some of us may know that as men, we're supposed to protect our ribs too. You're supposed to keep those elbows tucked in to protect those ribs. And you're supposed to keep your hands up at all times. You're not supposed to let those ribs get hit. And if you're doing your job, man of God, you're going to have those ribs held tight you're going to be hugging them every day. Somebody say amen or oh me. You're supposed to be loving them, hugging them, protecting them. And you know what happens when you get hit in the ribs? Well, I don't know about you, but when I get hit in the bread baskets, it's over. <laughs> ribs protect, but they don't just protect, they give structure. And you know something else? It's your job, man of God, to protect your ribs. Protect your ribs. You're supposed to do that. So as we know, what was missing from Adam was a rib. God took a rib and he built Eve. Barnard him. Caused that deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Then we see what happens in Adam's life. Let's take a look at our next slide here. God built you from a rib. What's missing from Adam? Of course, that rib. And you might be asking right now, what's missing in my life? I'm a rib. I'm missing a rib cage to go in. You know, perhaps this is a little mischievous of me, but when I was a young father, I was a little bit uh, hard on my children. I would take them to the Dollar Tree, and I love the Dollar Tree because I could go in there with four dollars and come out with four happy children. And I used to buy them the little puzzles, and that would keep them busy for an hour or two while I was working on homework or whatever I was doing. And I used to sneak around behind them, and I would take the puzzle pieces out and switch them with another puzzle piece. Like I would go to Joshua's puzzle, and usually Joshua was a Spider-Man fan, so I'd give him a Spider-Man puzzle. And I would switch that Spider-Man puzzle out with Jordan's puzzle, which was usually some sort of hot reel or race car or something like that. And I would switch the pieces out, and I would go to Jude's puzzle and take his piece out and switch it out with something in Jonathan's puzzle. And they would build the entire puzzle and look up at me and say, Dad, I can't get this piece To fit. Now, I'd have to tell them it's because it's the wrong puzzle. You understand what we're saying here this morning? You're a rib. And forever and a day, you've been trying to force yourself into the wrong rib cage. Forever and a day, you've been saying, God, I need a rib cage to fit in. And you've been trying to force yourself in. I used to watch my boys try to force that puzzle piece in. And no matter how hard they tried, even if they got it in, it would eventually pop out. And that's what happens when you, as a rib, force yourself into the wrong rib cage or put yourself into the wrong part of the body. you understand? Ribs don't fit on a knee, do they? They don't fit on the head, do they? They don't fit in the hands. In fact, they create a nuisance when they're out of place. They create something that hurts every time it gets hit. And if you're one of those ribs that are not in the right rib cage, then you experience nothing but pain. Nothing but pain. Adam learned quickly how to protect his ribs. He learned that it fits in the ribcage. And she fit where she was supposed to fit. With giving him structure. With giving him support. With giving him protection. She took care of his heart. She took care of his lungs. She took care of his liver. She took care of all of that. All he had to do was make sure they didn't get hit all you had to do. Some of us ladies this morning, we've forced ourselves into the wrong rib cage. Or we forced ourselves into a rib cage that already had a rib. It just doesn't work, does it? One too many ribs is, guess what? One too many ribs. How many of you know that more than two in a marriage is entirely too much? And you try to force yourself in and it doesn't work. Or a man tries to force one in, but it doesn't fit. It ends up popping out. Look with me in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. They shall be called one flesh. And the two become one. The two become one. I need you to understand the spiritual picture here. As Adam was one, and God took the rib out of Adam, and He made a whole other person, and He brought them back together. And the picture that we have here is the two become one. So Adam, you're made out of dirt, buddy. And you're missing something in your life, though. You're missing a rib. You're missing a bone. And without your bones, guess what you are, Adam? You're just a dirt bag. <laughs> Ladies? Ladies, you're a rib. And you're made out of bone. And without your dirt bag, you know what you are? Just a bonehead. (laughs) And the two come together and become one flesh. They become one. I would love for you to turn with me, please, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul says about this. Look at me in chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to give you a second to turn in there right there. Think about that for a second. Perhaps you're one of those that has forced yourself into somebody else's rib cage. And you've experienced nothing but pain and misery. Perhaps you're one of those that you don't really fit in the ribs at all. And you're down on the knee or you're down on the foot. And every time the body walks, you experience pain. But perhaps you're one of those guys... You've tried to put one too many ribs in the rib cage, and it doesn't fit. All it does is create. Could you imagine having one too many ribs there? Painful, in your life, life is all lopsided. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 5. Look with me in verse 25. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul talking about. You need to realize what God brought to you is your real. And you need to put it in its right place. And you need to protect it. You need to cherish it. And you need to honor it. And you need to love it like your own body. Because guess what? It is your own body. Let me tell you, when I met Betsy, she fit perfectly. Not only did she fit perfectly, she brought structure to my life. Not only did she bring structure, she protects my heart. And to this day, her number one concern is my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for my help, man. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Are you understanding the picture Paul's talking about here? For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Look at verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now look at the last verse here. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. This is a great mystery. It's a picture of what's happening between Jesus and the church. And church, we're supposed to be the bride. We're supposed to be the helpmate. We're supposed to be the rib. And we're supposed to fit perfectly in the body of Christ. The problem is that sometimes we don't want to go in the rib cage. The problem is sometimes as a church, we don't want to go where Jesus is going. So we force ourselves out or we put ourselves in a place that is not good the body of Christ. In other words, we take the rib out we stick it on the hand, or we put it in the ear, or we put it on the head, and it doesn't fit, and it doesn't look right. And as the body of Christ, all we do then is hinder what the body is doing. Paul says, this is a great mystery But I speak concerning Christ and the church. You understand the man and the woman come back together. And if I had time, I would talk to you about what it means to have the blood of the earth and cover come together. I don't have time for that this morning. This is a great mystery, says Paul, but I speak concerning the church. Christ and His church and the two become one. You understand? Jesus is the head. The head of the church. And we're supposed to be so involved in His will, so worried about protecting His heart that whatever He needs, whatever he desire is, wherever He's going, we're right there with Him. And perhaps, one of you this morning. You've been sitting there saying, I'm not out of the will of God. Well, get yourself back in the rib cage, Amen? Quit putting yourself down on the feet. Quit calling yourself a knee. Quit calling yourself some fingers. Quit trying to be a mouth. When God's called you to be real. Bring structure. Bring protection to the body. It's time for us to get back in His will. What is God's will? I'm tell you right now, the number one number one directive to God's church is to seek And to save the lost. Get back to it. This world is losing all hope. And also all sanity. Amen. They're losing all hope. You know why? Because they have nothing to hope in. But we've got the hope of Jesus Christ. Bring it to them. Give it to them. You say, what if they reject me? What if they do? Who cares? Love them anyway. Love them enough to bring the gospel to them. Paul says, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Get back into the will of God. Perhaps you're one of those this morning that says, Pastor, I have been a rib in a wrong rib cage. And when it comes out, it hurts. It's painful. You understand what the Bible says. The two become one flesh. I want you to understand what happens when they separate hurts, And the two separate. Can it heal? You better believe it can. But there is a scar. Perhaps you're one of those that says, Pastor, you got to give me Yeah. Perhaps you say, Brother Josh, I'm one of those that have been looking for an extra rib. And today, I want to repent. And perhaps you're one of those that says, I'm missing a rib. And I need my rib in my life. It's time for you to come down and say, God, I need to help me. Perhaps you're one of those that says, I am a helpmate who needs a dirt bag, huh? time for you to pray. And say, Father God, I need the Adam you're calling for me. Whatever it may be, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come. Perhaps the one that says, I need to know this Jesus. I need to learn more about what it means to be healed by His stripes, to have His blood cleanse me. You need to get saved. If you come down the aisle today and put Jesus in your heart, I'm going to have a word of prayer. He's spoken to you. Would you surrender Him this morning, Father? We come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you take your word and speak to our hearts and take charge of this time right now that if there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone that needs to be a member of Robinson Avenue Baptist Church, or anyone, Father God, that needs to get their walk right with you, their heart right with you, their ribs right with you, would you let save you today? We give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you come as we sing...
1: Nearer my God to thee.
0: Nearer my God to thee. Would you come? Just stand close. Would you come? bless you all. Hope you've enjoyed the time of worship. here with us at Rock Saturday, Baptist Church. Don't forget, church, coming up next week, Saturday, Men's Prayer Breakfast 0700, 7 o'clock. Uh, don't forget Advent team meeting at 1030. Don't forget today, still slated, 430 is our ministry team meeting, provided the weather holds. Also, if the weather's holding, 6 o'clock uh, Bible study, Wednesday night, 630. Bible study. Come and be a part of those things. Don't forget men's Bible study at 6.30 on Thursday and ladies' Bible study at two different times on Tuesday. Did I get it all? Four. Thank you. And four o'clock. So ministry meeting at four. 1600. Thank you, Amber. So appreciate that. Uh, if there's no other announcements, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God for safe travel home. I understand it's a little bit cold and maybe getting icy and slushy out there. Let's ask for safe travel home. And uh, if if the church decides to cancel services tonight, we will let each and every one of you know through email, through text, etc., etc. You can always call me, and I, I will answer the phone. I'll call All right? Uh, anything else? Not. let's go to the Lord and Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the opportunity to be in your house today, Lord. And I just pray you give us all a safe travel home as the roads are getting a little slick. Lord, I'm asking for your grace and your mercy to take each and every one of us home. Be with those, Lord God, who weren't with us today. Let them know we love them and are praying for them. And please bring them back safely to us. I also pray, Lord, for those that will be out traveling this afternoon and this evening. Please keep them safe, Lord, and look after them. Father, I just pray that you would go with us throughout the rest of this week, bring us safely back again to you your house to worship you. but in Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. Amen.